Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan, and with me, as always, wearing her most teetering of heels, is my good friend Sarah. How are you, Sarah? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. That's that's a bit of a joke. There was a political um, sort of uh, commentary. Uh, thing happen in Australia in the last couple of days. Uh, a young author wrote an, uh, a sort of an obituary piece that was rather, rather in the vein of fanfic, and it did reference most teetering of heels, and that was my uh, my mean uh, attempt to set Sarah off, which clearly has worked already. So we're starting on a happy note. Well, I I don't know why you needed to start on a happy note today because. Wow, this weekend of racing. I mean, Strade was awesome last weekend. Glenta this weekend. We also got to see a really good chunk of live. And I am so, so excited that we get to see live cycling in this way. Like, it's it's just becoming standard, or it should become standard. And the racing is always amazing. I, I go into Drenta every year, and I talk it up, like like you said about, about Strade. And I do worry... Am I bigging it up too much? And mm. then you get up in the morning and everyone's like, there's not a breath of wind. Yep. And I'm like, oh, shit, is it going to be boring? Is it going to be dull without wind? Because that's like the biggest obstacle. And of course it isn't. Of course it's amazing. And and then there was Don't to Acht. And then there's been so much stuff to talk about this week. So it's honestly, yeah. it's, I know we say that all the time, but there, there are so many things. Uh, it's It's just mental it's yeah anyway so starting well, can, I, can I start by saying yes. can I can I start by saying so we're not going to be able to cover everything that we saw this week so I always pull together well I mostly always pull together a links post for our podcasts which have videos and articles and, and things that we don't I and mean, every week there's stuff in the links post that we don't get around to talking about but especially not this week because there we just would my, my, my plans for a nice tight half an hour podcast <laughs> are not nonsense anyway but we you know we'd be going for days so go to our site prowomenscycling.com and find um uh this podcast post and we'll and and have a look at the links yeah. because yeah there it's the it's yeah it, it's we'll, just exactly as we work through the week we'll we'll mention as many things as we can but we're not going to be able to cover a lot of them in depth so do make sure that you if you hear something that you want to follow up on it will be in that post but there's also be tons more in that post that I know you'll love. It's just yeah. we don't have time to talk about it all. So exactly, not not in fit, <laughs> not in fit in all the jokes that we've prepared. So you know, <laughs> I'm glad to see Dan prepares jokes because I certainly don't. <laughs> yes, no. So I, we've got. I engineer political scandals just to create jokes. It's very yeah. Yeah, oh, I wish. Um, we so starting with Trenta, yeah. yeah? Which, yeah, we've got Drenta, the Drenta Acht, and the Semana Clásica uh, Valenciana in Spain. Mm. So, yeah, so we've got, uh, we, yeah, let's start with, let's start with the sure. Ronda van Drenta. So, we talk- there were a few people who tuned in with us on uh, on Saturday to um, to watch the race and listen to Sarah and I do uh, live commentary um, with varying, <laughs> commentary varying degrees of success, um, having out-of-sync streams on different sides of the world that... Um, that we're not only timed differently, but uh, managed to stall at different times. <laughs> it yeah, was, it was awesome. That was pretty fun. Uh, but what a good race. And as you mentioned uh, just before, it was interesting because there was no wind. And, um, you know, I mean, if if we say Dutch racing in the springtime, like wind is basically the defining characteristic. So no wind is a huge 
huge deal. Mm. Yeah, but... Yeah, so basically, Janta, we talk about the cobbles. The cobbles are, are rocks. They're not like they're not like laid. They're not laid cobbles. They're rocky paths through mm. forests, mossy, damp, sharp edged. Uh, we talk about the Vamberg, the, the man-made climb uh, made out of landfill. That's uh, roughly thirteen percent, thirteen percent, twenty percent of the higher, highest highest point. But we, the key thing in Drenta is positioning yep. because the roads are very narrow and especially the roads into these places are very narrow too. So if you're a gigantic peloton, a full pack peloton, you're, you, you just, you can be in, if you're in the wrong place, you're, you're doomed. And the wrong place can be because someone crashes or punches in front of you, but particularly because people are going to attack. And so they, they, they have this, you can see the speed, right? You can see the speed increase. You can see all the teams getting on the front at times where you're not really sure about what's happening, but it's because they know there's a very sharp corner coming up. Yeah. yeah and exactly. you know, when it's windy, what happens is they completely speed up because they know that when they turn that sharp corner into some open fields, the side, the crosswinds are going to blast them and they can get away with echelon attacks if they're, if they're, if they're proper. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, so yeah, usually there's a, there's a lot of action going on, and the wind plays no small part in it normally. Um, we still managed to get, though, as you say, it was a it was a very animated and very exciting race, and um, as as is so remarkable uh, in women's cycling because you almost never see it. It was just nonstop attacks. So mm-hmm. that was one of the jokes I prepared. Obviously, it didn't work out that well, but yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so there were heaps and heaps and heaps of attacks, um, and, uh, lots of opportunities for, for riders to, to try and shake things up, and of course it did that thing that this race often does, which it basically winnows the main field down, so you go from this major peloton down to this core group of, of under 50 riders, you know, being the main bunch. And that's, I mean, that's the really interesting thing, because when you're looking at it on Twitter, before the TV starts, because uh, unfortunately we didn't get to see the cobbly action this year because of where the cobbles are in the course. Mm. So when you look at this on Twitter, you uh, you know they're saying, oh, nothing's changed, nothing's changed. But what you know is that there's loads of attacks trying to go and people stopping yeah. and people getting dropped off the back. Because as we've talked about before, if you're riding at the same pace, even if it's a high pace, that's a lot le- that conserves more energy than if you're continually slowing down and speeding up yeah. you're speeding up to pull back an attack slowing down when the people at the front decide to mess around with people because they know that speeding down and slowing up the slow is speeding up and slowing down is going to make things harder yeah yeah so yeah it's oh it's so much fun i love cycling <laughs> so and they had so they had various they had various attacks up in the cobbles mika kroger from canyon shram was 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 caught there was um uh, a big group that went into the fight in, uh, between the sixth and seventh se- se- sectors, which had Eleanor Cicchini, Elisa Longo-Borghini, Amy Peters, and Chloe Hosking, and they've got they've and then so they but, but they'd they basically the first section of the race before they got to the Vanberg was all about attrition. Yeah, yep, absolutely, and just wearing the the whole race down, and um and you know from that that final larger group then the real race within the race begins yeah and and vanberg so first of all it's the climb up the vanberg second of all it's the descent down the other side of the climb which is where really clever riders get away and we've seen that with lizzie armitstead at lizzie danen in the past Mm. and we saw it today saw it today but it's um it's complicated because you have 
a, ses- a section of the Bamberg, a very small loop, so they come down and do the Bamberg again. Yes. And then it's about 25 kilometres to the finish. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, yeah, that was the point where we all sort of knew, you know, like, that's where if things really get real. Unless, unless a quite strong group had somehow magically got away earlier and put a couple of minutes in, you know, this was where the race was really going to heat up. Yeah, and, and it's changed. The course changes every year as well. I mean, last year, that early break, that that, that winning move went us around, um, uh, you know, I think it was about 50, 60K to go. Yeah. Because it was after the last section of the cobbles, that, that winning, that, oh, do you remember that gorgeous move? Anna van der Breggen just exploded out of the cobbles. Yeah, yeah. And with her, were on her wheel was Trixie Warwick, um, Gracie, uh, Anna van der Breggen, Trixie Warwick, Gracie Elvin, and Chantal Black. But the best thing was that Trixie Warwick's teammate, Tr- Tiff Cromwell, was sitting fifth wheel. And as they took off, Tiff just put on her brakes ever so slightly, not in a dangerous way, and positioned herself perfectly coming out of that cobble section so that other riders couldn't, had to, couldn't get, couldn't, it was just one of the most. Break. It was one of the most technically proficient defensive maneuvers you could hope oh, to see. You know, I, every time I think about it, I I get chills because because Tiffany was just so. It was. It, I think the thing that it's I really like it, it's beautiful teamwork, and it's and it's unspoken teamwork. You know, it's not like it's not like you, you, you know Trixie was yelling instructions as she as she you know went off or whatever. It, it just you know know your teammate, know your role, and do it. And you know, there's just this really sublime sort of thing. And then it was it was executed so perfectly. It was just it was magic. Yeah. So that was last, and and this is again one of the things we I told. I feel like I say this about every spring classic, but it's that thing with the spring classics is they all can be won in any different way, right? Yeah. Like the best the best spring classics. So when you're t- and it's so it's the same goes for. I mean, not, not Strade. Strade's been raced three times and won in pretty similar. Well, you know, in 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 kind of similar style, similar fashion, yeah. But yeah. your but your Trofeo, your your Ronda van der Enter, your uh. Trofeo Alfredo Binder, Flanders, of course, your GP Pluet and Open to Sped Vigorda. They're very special because they have been won by a bunch sprint. They have been won by a solo attack. They've been won by every different way. And that's, to me, that makes a classic really special. I, mean, I love I love something like Strade, where it's going to come down to that, that scream up through Siena. And I love something like... Uh, um, uh, flesh will on where it may or may not you know where it's nine times out of ten going to come up to a scream up the murder we but this is different and I I, I like you know I like I like the I like the variety in women's cycling. I like the yeah. you know, and that's and that's well, and, that's, and that's, that's, that's the, ultimately the thing is you know it's variety, but that also leads to unpredictability, which means that you know you get maximum excitement out of watching how each particular edition of a race unfolds. You know, yeah. so much of it really is open and and decided by conditions and tactics on the day, and and you know that's that's the best possible position I think as a fan because you know it keeps you engaged with what's going on. Um, yeah. You know, it's not just a, oh yeah, you know, ride tempo for a hundred kilometers, uh, a whole bunch of competitive attacks for the last thirty, and then a bunch of sprint repeat. Yeah. You know, it's 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 actually compelling engaging racing for for pretty much the entire race because yeah. there are those real opportunities and and the thing about drenta is 
So I, I, um, I got some great quotes about it from Gracie Elvin, who was, who was on the podium last year for a piece I did in Pro Cycling Magazine. I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. <laughs> in my pencil skirt. My <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. We'll try not to in-joke all day. But if you can, look up Daisy Cousins. <laughs> um, Daisy Cousins' Bill Leak piece, because it's the worst piece of political writing I think I've, well, maybe ever seen. Um, so, yeah, so... I, I wrote it, so I got some quotes from, and, and the thing about Jolenta is, so Gracie said, you can't win the race in the first half of the race, but the first half of it, you can definitely lose it. And you've got to be on your guard all the time yep. because you just don't know what's going to happen. So the first time over the, over um, the Bamberg, all of Sunweb was right on the front, bang on the front, like, and like, rah. The, the best part about that for me was that was basically exactly when the TV coverage started. So, you know, cameras turn on, there's a little bit of, you know, faffing about for me for like 10 minutes trying to get a stream to actually work. And then it's like, holy shit, all of Sunweb's on the front. <laughs> yeah. So they go over the VAM and it's this, and it's a small group. Um, it's uh, only Corinne Rivera of Sunweb is, is there. It's Amy Peters from Balls, Amy Peters and Amelie Didrikson from Balls Dolmans. Um, Eleanor Cicchini from, uh, from uh, Canyon Stram. Oh, Ellen Van Dyke and Corinne Rivera from Sunweb and Yolene Dora from Wiggle High Five. And they get a gap, not because they've gone over the top first, but because they pull out that gap on the descent. Yeah, yep. And they don't last long. And they're attacking and attacking and attacking because then they come to the Bamberg for the second Second and final time. of. Actually, it's the third third time overall in the race, but the first one doesn't count. It's just there to piss people off. Um, (laughs) And weirdly... Jess Allen from Orica Scott just attacks into it. Yeah, which was, it was an interesting move because, but I mean, I think that part of what made it so compelling was because it was just so completely unexpected and, you know, full credit to it. She got about 10 seconds and then lost them almost immediately because Ellen Van Dyke decided to go out after her. Ellen Van Dyke is just, so Ellen Van Dyke at this point is just, is just bonkers. She's, She's on the front. She's she's very experienced in this race. She's been absolutely the key player. I can't remember who it was. Someone described her as oh, Jens described her as the queen maker. In in yep, in a, yep. he said he said that that like Ellen Van Dyke just can make any other rider just. And, and we saw it a lot in last year with Bowles, Bowles Dolmans and the year before with Bowles Dolmans. She is just extraordinary. So when Ellen goes on the front, there's 25 kilometers, there's around 25 kilometers to go. Now, Ellen is a former ITT world champion. She's in her element here. She also knows that behind her is Lucinda Brand because yep. the group is, I think it ended up with like a group of, um, a group, a group of 15 chasing chasing or chasing yeah. on the back that included yeah. um and, and, that included and... we included lucinda brand but it included mariana boss who'd won uh three times before with anna plichter yep. it had elisa longo borghini and yolin dora from wiggle high five lotta kapecki from lotto sudal uh elena chikini and hannah barnes from uh from canyon stram annick van blurton from floyton from uh Orica Scott, Chloe Hosking from Ale Cipollini, Alice Barnes from Drops, and five of the six Bowles Dolomans riders. And that's like, to me, that's like two things about that that are just mad. Like, literally one third of the chase group are Bowles. 
Like, yeah. already that's exceptional. And then, because Ellen, you know, like, Jess Allen's attacked. Ellen has gone out after her, caught her, and then um, stretched her gap on the descent, and she's out about 30 seconds by now. And Bowles put all five of their riders on the front because it's Ellen fucking Van Dyke. And, yeah. and, and these you riders do on... not let her get any more than that. Like, no. So, these riders on the front, Anna van der Brega, who's been on the podium here before, the Olympic cha- the Olympic champion. She's been a bit sick, but, you know, in the last in last week, uh, last week, so she didn't start, she didn't start Strade. But still, Anna van der Brega. Chantal Bluck, who won last year. Uh, Amy Peters, absolute classic superstar. She's been on the podium here before. Amelie Diedrichsen, the world current world champion, and Yip and Yip, Yip Vandenbos, Van yep. a very young, very young rider. Now, Bowles put all their riders on the front, and it still took a really long time to catch Ellen Van Dyke. It took something like seventeen kilometers or something to catch her. Like they caught her at about twenty-two k to go. Um, it, it, Hang on, it, I, yeah, my, my, I'm wrong, aren't I? I've got my stat. I've got my stat. I've got my stats wrong because she attacked. Because there's about 25k to go. But they anyway, carry on. But so, uh, well, anyway, <laughs> the point being though, it took longer to catch than you would normally expect a, a, a chase group, an organised and committed chase group to catch a solo rider. An organised and committed chase group made up of nothing but Bowles Dolmans, who were the world IT team yeah. time trial world championship champions. Yeah, and. When they caught her, and the thing is, is they had they tried to some of them tried to get away. Brand was on their wheel. They tried to catch her. They they know that they're there. They know that Lucinda Brand because the finish is incredible is very technical. Eight corners in the final three kilometers. Yeah. Um, three three corners in the last kilometer. Brand is a technical genius and very fast. And you're sitting there watching it going. You know that as soon as Van Dyke gets caught, if she has any energy left, she's going to attack again. Yep. Yep. Oh, well, not to uh, mention not to mention the ten other riders who sat back and let you catch for them. Oh yeah, yeah you know, because this like... is the other thing is 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 and and, and Bowles know that Bowles know the drill. Bowles know no one else in that group is going to help them at all. Because why would you? It's yeah. it's literally you'd have to be an idiot to, to 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 do that at that point because you know it's your job, your job, Bowles. Because you can also <laughs> think you can maybe get away. So they catch her, and they're coming into the finish and. At this point, it's just lunacy because there's lots and lots of attacks as people try to get away. Lots and lots of attacks. Um, everything's covered. Everything's chased. Everything's counted. It's just, it's nonstop. But also then behind that is another group um, that, because by then this main group of 15 is sort of split into two smaller groups and there's like this tiny gap in no man's land. And so we've got this sort of secondary group now with... Um, the likes of Mariana Voss, Chloe Hosking, and um, and several others who are trying to catch back up, and and so there's these two sets of races going on, and one is is riders who maybe have someone in that very very front group who aren't necessarily as committed to the chase, and and so we've got these two things going on as as we come into the finish. The interesting thing to me is that quite often, and literally like a week ago, this started to happen, and famously last year did happen in Strata Bianchi, where the the um, leaders, you know, get to that point where you're only say five k away, and they're starting to look around and go, "Shit, there's only there's only seven of us left, or five of us left, or four of us left," and 
you are probably the the strongest sprinter. I don't want to take you to the finish with me. What are we going to do about it? And they all sort of look at each other and slow right down. And often that's when a, a smaller break will get caught. This time round, because of that exact effect that you were just talking about, you know, the the attacking and counterattacking and covering, that really didn't happen. Well, you should say who is in that group because we end up in going into the finish now. When you're in a group, a group of 15, with um, five Bowles Dolmans riders, you have to try a lot. And riders did. And I was especially especially impressed by um, Elisa Longo-Borghini and Eleanor Cicchini, who just did not, and Lucinda Brand, who just did not give up. Mm. So they end up getting away in a group of four with Brand, Longo-Borghini, Cicchini, and Amelie Diedrichsen. Exactly. Now, remember that last year, Diedrichsen, she's still only about 20, she's still only 20. on her third year yeah. as an elite. Um, she rode as a domestique last year and she said, and she's been quite upfront about the fact that she was, you know, she she, she knows that her role is still going to be mostly domestique, but there she is in her rainbow stripes. And she is by far the best sprinter out of that group, but she's young. Yeah. And Lucinda Brand has a lot of experience. Elisa Longo-Borghini is flying high on her Strade win and, you know, and how well she's done riding for Yolene Dora. Yep. And Eleanor Cicchini is just doing so, 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 so well. And I can't wait for her big win to happen because it will happen. But Eleanor's been up there. She's, she's such a good classics rider. Behind them, seven chasers. But they're not seven chasers. Because the chasers are Mariana Boss for WM3, Annemiek van Vleuten from uh, Orica Scott, um, Alice Barnes from Drops, and Chloe Hosking from... Uh, Ali Cipollini. Ali Cipollini. But in that group also, so that's four of them, the other three, Chantel Black and Yip Phantom Boss from, uh, from Bowles. Bowles Dolmans, and Yonin Dora for Wiggle. For, for Wiggle. So you've got that thing where there's four chasers. And three who have riders up front that they're just, you know, getting a free drag back and, and a chance to sprint if they need to. Yeah. And Dora is a sprint. Dora is a yeah. really, really good sprinter and, a, and the 2015 winner. So she's, she's, she's laughing. Yeah. And you could see they weren't, um, there's, there's, they weren't necessarily working well together either. Like they weren't all no. um, working, working their best. They, you had various riders try it, and Voss did try to ping off the front and get to that yep. group. But you know, you're not going to let well, her. The, the two that really stood out, yeah, Voss tried to ping off the front, and then later on, like towards the closing stages, and that's when you know it really is sort of a last gasp. Was when Chloe Hosking went to the front of that group and tried to chase and get across yeah. on her own. You know, when when you've got the the sprinter, the pocket rocket, actually, you know trying to get there because you know it's a clear sign that they don't believe the group's working well enough to do it so yeah, yeah. and so i am so impressed with the other thing i just want to mention is out of those five bowls riders ending up with black you don't expect but yet vanden boss mm. she's a she's she's 20 you know yeah. she's She's in. Her, she's she's another one who's in her third year as a pro. Uh, she stepped up from Park Hotel Valkenburg, where she was for the last two years. I'm just so impressed. And Alice Barnes as well. Alice Barnes isn't. She's not that. Alice Barnes isn't as young as the other. Maybe she's 22. Let's just have a quick look. Alice Barnes just. I, that's definitely her. Her strongest. Oh, Alice Barnes. Yeah, she's 21. Yeah. Um, it's her strongest race 
ever. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. Like, it's, and Amelie Diedrichsen, 20 years old, up front. You're like, wow, this is amazing. It's uh, Honestly, it was one of the real pleasures of it. I mean, I know we talk about this every... Well, every year there's, there's a, a crop of young writers who are exciting because, you know, they're new and coming through and all of that sort of thing. But it's, it's really impressive to be, you know in a, a world tour race and see this many of them right at the front end of the race and, and being yeah. involved in making the race, even even as part of larger team groups. You know, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, this is the thing. Like, yeah, Yip Vandenboss is there with the rest of her Bowls teammates, but, um, you know, it takes a hell of a lot of work to be able to be there with them, you know? <laughs> yes, and also when Van der Breggen, um, Amy Peters... And, and Amy Peters has been have been dropped. Yeah, you know, it's yep. it's like, and and you get fandom bosses still there, like just fantastic. So, so it's a bit of a problem. I mean, it's a problem for the riders in front, the your four riders in front, because well, three of them because they know Diedrichsen is going to be the fastest sprinter on paper. Yep. Um, Longa Borghini and Chikini know that Brand is super clever. And everyone knows that if Elisa Elisa does have a good attack on the flat where she can try and get where she's exactly. gonna try and get away and at so four, three and two kilometers. Exactly. To so go. You have to mark Elisa really hard early and then you have to guard against the sprint, you know, and Which and, is... and then and then you just have to watch out for the the you know, devilry of Lucinda Brand because who knows yeah. what she'll throw at you. Yeah, and, and Eleanor Cicchini is just getting better and better and better, so you cannot underestimate her. Mm. At the same time, if they mess up, so, you know, for Brand and uh, so for Brand and Cicchini, they haven't got riders behind, yeah. so they've got to commit to this group. Uh, Diedrichsen, she doesn't care. She knows she's got amazing, strong riders behind. She's going to yeah. back herself. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 like, and Lisa Longo-Borghini yeah. knows that she's got Dora, um, Dora there. But then they start... And I didn't think that this group would get to the ends. I didn't think they could, but but then it was <laughs> clear they were going to. I remember on our commentary, you know, we were sort of around that twenty k out mark, and and we were trying to sort of pick it, and and I was, you know, you asked, and I, and my answer was that I kind of hoped that they held on until close to the finishing straight, and then the the other group either caught them or was just behind them as they sprinted, and that's almost exactly what happened. That you know, it became yeah. clear that they were going to hold on at the least until the last sort of 500 metres, say. And bearing in mind that the last corner is a right-hander at about 350 metres to the line. So, you know, yeah. this was going to go right down to the wire, whichever way it played, because it's either a sudden bunch sprint as they get caught, or it's a desperate sprint to stay away to, and make it to the finish line. Yeah, so Elisa tries to get away, fails. Um, Lucinda Brand starts her sprint super early. Yep. And is overtaken by Eleanor Cicchini. But behind them, looking like she's in a completely different class, is Amelie Diedrichsen. The overhead who... shot on the replay tells you so much about how ready Amelie Diedrichsen was for this sprint. Oh, uh, Amelie, it's... It, it's it's and I don't like I don't want to say casual, but she is so composed in that sprint. Like she just stands she made up. It look she's easy. Not, her bike isn't throwing around at all, but you can just see the power that she is putting into the the pedals, and and she just it, like you say, she's she was just in a very different class on the day. She was just so ready for that sprint. It was, uh, it was stunning. And it was, I mean, it was, it was really like, like you say, you could see um, Brand and 
and Chikini, you know, they're, they're doing that thing where you're, where you're physically pulling, you know, mm. you're pulling on the handlebars to try and get this strength. So you're, you're kind of rocking to and fro a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Diedrichson, just smooth. She just, just completely knew. And... She knew her power. She yep. knew how she'd, how she, how she was right. She said it was and... the longest. Now this is a long race. It's like nearly 150 kilometers. Yep. So it's the longest race that a lot of these riders have done and these young riders have done. It's the longest race Diedrichson has ever ridden. Mm-hmm. But... And, and to get to the end of that and, and to have been in a very aggressive, um, very attacky, counter-attacky, punchy, um, you know, small group at the front of the race for a large part of the, the race and then come into a sprint and then to outclass the rest of the sprint so completely is no and small feat. And not get feat. caught out. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I mean, I, I loved Lucinda Brand. Has uh, Lucinda Brand is one of my favourite... I mean, you know, I've got a lot of favourite riders, <laughs> but Lucinda Brand has this awesome interview with Felix Mattis. And Felix Mattis, rad reporter um, on... YouTube always has the best interviews because he's been going to races for a couple of years now. He knows yeah. the riders really, really, really well, and they know him and they trust him. And, and so, well, there's, I was going to say he knows the racing really well too, which, oddly enough, in women's cycling isn't always the case. So, it, you know, it really stands out that he he really does know what he's talking about. So, oh, Felix, and Felix is is really he's just he's got that kind of German sense of humour that's that's perfect yeah. you know and he's and he's just he's a very he's a really lovely guy i i 100 percent recommend felix mattis because he's just he's he's just such he's so he adds so much value to the sport you know and anyway felix uh was interviewing lucinda brown and she was like yeah it was a stupid move i'm kicking myself <laughs> <laughs> and she started she started her sprint early but the thing is is you only know it's a stupid move in retrospect yeah, well, exactly. because the like- thing is is looking at how Amelie was going yeah yeah, and looking at and looking at how Diedrichson was going yeah if 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 they just ridden up to the line with her Diedrichson would have won by even more you know because consensus was very clearly like you know because we asked people on the chat on the commentary we were doing but also on Twitter like everyone had the same read it's if this group stays together Diedrichson's the one to beat if they get caught um, Jolene Dora is the one to beat and everyone else has to do something now <laughs> and yeah so, and they did yeah. and they did and that's and so it's a Bowles so it's a Bowles Dolman's win and in classic Bowles Dolman's style because last year they won 40 UCI races they won but they won it in so many different ways you know that yeah. I couldn't and with so many you know, different I, riders and and you know it, it was it was one of those things that there was so much um variation in the way races were not just won but were raced and who was winning them that it, you know you didn't even mind that it was bowls 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 because you saw so many different riders have those great yeah. moments and having and seeing a especially a young world cha- any world champion winning winning his her or his first race yeah. in the rainbow jersey is is blissful oh, to me always always but i mean this is the other thing is like emily at worlds you know took a lot of people by surprise because you know qatar and and kirsten field was very much the favorite and and you literally got pipped at the post uh by emily at worlds and while you know she's been on the scene for a while and been a talent for a while and and you know had her junior world um wins as well it, it was one of those ones where you're like okay but is she she'll never really be able to get away with that trick again of sitting on kirsten's wheel and and coming out from behind at the perfect moment you know she's going to be marked for forever well she showed us this week that that's not going to matter 
you know yeah she's, and she and, she is an incredibly composed and together writer for for 20 years of age Amalie Didrikson was a uh, she was a very very um, strong junior. She won the trophy, the junior trophy Binder, which we'll come on to um, come on to later. She won the junior world championships uh, both years that she was a junior. She was only the third rider to do that after Nicole Cook and Lucy Garner. Um, and that's not because it was a weak field. I want to kind of stress that, that sometimes you can say, oh, well, you know, when someone does a lot of junior racing, it can sometimes say, as, say wins a lot in juniors. But just as with um, Ghana, there was a very, very strong, you know, she had a very strong junior junior set of riders around her. I, she's, she's, she's been, she's just been learning her trade. You know, she's yep. been she's been under she's she's had a she's had a win um both seasons as both seasons as an elite you know at a stage at the lotto belgium tour a stage at the at, at the bowls rentals ladies tour but this year she gets to be rightly her rainbow stripes let her have opportunities in bowls dolmans but she's also backing herself she like you say she's very composed mm, mm. she's her post-race quotes were like, you know, I could, I knew I would be. She knew she'd be good. Yeah. She has that advantage of the rainbow jersey, where you just know you're pulling on your rainbows. This is a race that suits you. You're the world champion. You get a lot of media. You get a lot of attention at the start, and you just, you know, you don't really have anything to lose at this point. You know, yeah, yeah. like especially not when you're twenty. You know, if 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 she didn't win anything all year, she's it's still. It's because she's twenty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we'll all be like, yeah, so it's okay. She's got plenty of time to to finish maturing and turning into a complete writer. She just shows so much promise, you know. Whereas, you know, she's actually showing us that you know she may have even more promise than we realised. And oh. you know, it's it's quite an exciting time to to be Emily Didrikson. Um, you know, yeah, or and, to be a fan of Diedrichsen, you know, yeah. it's oh, and Danish cycling. And we'll come on to Danish cycling soon because this was definitely the week of the Danes. So, Amelie Diedrichsen first, Elena Cicchini second, uh, Lucinda Brand third, and that is a glorious podium. It you really know, is. I love Lucinda. I love Lucinda Brand as a super domestique in Rabo Live, but that combination, I'm going to say this all the way through the classic season and probably for the rest of my life, so I'm sorry when I bore you, but that <laughs> classic pairing of Ellen Van Dyke and Lucinda Brand is glorious. I kind of don't know why we haven't seen it before because it's the most perfect, perfect combination, and I'm so happy. Um, Elisa Longo Borghini in fourth at seven seconds. No, 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 no. Elisa was only two, sorry. Two seconds. Yep. Annick van Vleuten has attacked out of the chase group and so finished um, in fifth, seven. seven seconds, seven seconds. Then the rest of that chase group, nine seconds behind. So sixth, Yolene Dora. Seventh, Mariana Boss. Eighth, Alice Barnes. Oh, such a good ride for her. Amazing ninth, Chantal well. Blart. Tenth, Chloe Hosking. Yet Fandom Boss's all her hard work was um, meant that she finished off the back of that group, 12 seconds behind. But in 12th, Ellen Van Dyke, two minutes and four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, with a couple of with a, with a couple of others, you know, going down like that. Now they only had thirty-seven finishers. Wow! And that's because with a very small last circuit, they pulled a lot of riders. Yeah. But and some people, I think, think that's a bit unfair. But this is a race that literally always, always, always only half the only half the um uh yeah the, half the, the, the field. The, actually actually finishes it and it's always been like that so and, and there's no harm in that either i think it's 
bloody I you know I'm I'm personally think that you know if you got to race that strong because when you look at the time cuts there's the you know you you kind of have you go to uh, you go two minutes two minutes uh, Lotta Lapisto in 16th brought in a group at 557 um and the last uh rider Mika Kroger was in a group of three Shari Gillow and Lisa Blenauer seven minutes 57 behind so I'm yeah. I'm happy with that you know I'm, I'm sorry I'm I'm happy with that time cut so yeah, look, I mean, at that point, yeah, exactly. It's not going to affect the outcome of the whole race. Um, you know, there's an argument, I guess, for some riders that, that, you know, they would love the experience of finishing, but truthfully, most of the riders who would benefit most from that were probably pulled much earlier than the last lap, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, there's no rider who's going to benefit from finishing a World Tour who's not, you know, who's not, like, yeah. being pulled... I mean, they... You're going to benefit from finishing a world tour by finishing a world tour. Yep. You know, it's it's like, and and there are some amazing, there are some ride, you know, there are some riders up there. Like you look at it and you're going, yeah, those are those are these riders are the are the are the peloton man. Um, but I my I was gutted for Lotte Capecchi of Lotte Sudal who actually crashed on a corner out of there out of the um the front the front group in Denta, but. With the next day, Densa Acht, one that's definitely for the sprinters, they all had another chance. Indeed, and you know, it's one of the joys of this weekend is that it is a full weekend of racing and there is opportunity for a lot of redemption. Yeah, and Densa Acht, when you look at it, it was more windy, although it wasn't, you know, the kind of howling gales we really love about Densa. It's um, got two climbs of the Bamberg right in the middle and just two cobbled sections. And it's basically a sprinter's race yep. however the thing about Drenza Act is the sprinter that wins it isn't necessary is, is has got isn't just I'm the best sprinter in the pack today and have had the best lead out the sprinter who wins it is the sprinter who can keep going through all the various different groups changes and and drops yeah yep. so you look at it and you're going to kind of going yeah this is this is a re- it's a really really brutal kind of race in 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 that respect because it's all groups going and coming back and going and coming back and riders getting dropped all the time lots of that and then as you say you know you've got the two times over the vanberg in the middle and and all of that sort of stuff as well the only other thing i would add to that is it's the sprinter who has all of that and then there's sometimes not always but sometimes there's that there's that little um additional element so you mentioned lottie kopecky you know, um, having that crash that held her up in in Drenta, um, you know, and also um, I know Chloe Hosking um, was a bit, um, you know, felt that she could have got more out of out of Drenta, and and so there's a couple of sprinters um, who you can see coming into the next day feel like they've got something on on you know to prove and to to make up yeah. for from the previous day's I- riding. Yeah, and you've got to, you've got when Drenza Act as well has been won by small groups. Now we have to give a shout out to Paula and Roni who had her handlebars grabbed in this race oh. and I crashed just... hideously because it's a very very narrow. It's a narrow finish because they finish on like four laps of a small like six kilometer circuit, yeah. and it's a very narrow finish. There was a great um, uh, like going uh, car car's eye view of it. And it's 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 kind of it's tough. It's a really really it's a really really tough race. So you know that you have to follow all of these small groups if you're a sprinter because if they get away, you're you're you know you could it's there's there's no dump sprint. You want to be in that. Yep. It's it was won by um, 
Ina Yoko Teutenberg three times, Marion Avos twice, Chloe Hosking won in 2012, Chantal Black in 2014, Georgia Bronzini, and last year Leah Kirkman won. But when you look at when you look at the the, the people who've been on the podium, you know uh, Bronzini's been second twice. Um, uh, it's had Annemiek van Vleuten's been, been on the podium, uh, been third twice. Uh, Regina Schleicher, who's a sprinter, who was on the won in 2007 and then had two podiums. So it's yeah. uh, she- so, Shelley Old has been on the podium. In, so in this is a way, strong. Exactly. In the same way that we were saying about Drenta, um, that it, it has been won in many different ways and, and can always be won in many different ways, this is a race that very, very much lends itself to being won by sprinters sprinting, doing sprinty things while sprinting. Sprinters do most sprinty things. Yeah, um, so lots and lots of groups. Um, riders getting dropped. Riders like Kirsten Veeld getting dropped from the front. So the group that comes in comes into the end with a sprint, with a with a big with a big bunch sprint, and it's won by Chloe Hosking for the first for the second time. A couple of bike lengths ahead of Lotta Kopecky and Amelie Diedrichsen again on the podium. Uh, Corin Rivera in fourth, Lotta Lepisto in fifth, Nina Kessler sixth, Barbara Gurishi seventh, Gracie Elvin eighth, Sheila Gutierrez Ruiz, who I think we've been saying this all year, ninth, and Jean Corovar from WN three in tenth. And, you know, it's uh, it's a great way to cap off, um, you know, uh, the previous day's racing because we get to see a lot of riders who were in the action the day before. Uh, but we also see, you know, some of the sprinters who did get left out um, have the opportunity to, to um, you know... Grab their their chance to be in the in the mix. It was really interesting to me to see um, that Emily Didrikson podium two days in a row. That was oh god, yeah, yeah, totally on fire. Now, yeah, and and the thing is, is there are some races that really suit Didrikson coming up. Yep. Uh, not Binder this weekend, but Hent um, with Elgem, and of course Flanders. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting, I think, because that is where I think the the larger bowls narrative is going to be interesting. Because, um, you know, as we said at the top of this, and and you know, as as Didrikson herself knows, you know, she is in the early stages of her career, and that doesn't mean necessarily that she's the the automatic go to rider just because a course may or may not suit her. Yeah. So, so let's let's just run through the classics so far. We had Lucinda Brand of Sunweb winning um Het Noisblad. Yep. Uh, uh, was won by Shayla uh, sorry, Van Het Hagland was won by Yolene Dora of Wiggle High Five. Lusamin was won by Shayla Gutierrez Ruth of Silence. Strada Bianchi was won by Elisa Longo Volgini. Bronda van Drenthe of Wiggle High Five. Ronda van Drenthe was won by Amelie Diedrichsen of Bowles Dolmans. And now Drenthe Acht was won by Chloe, Chloe Hosking, Hosking for L.A. Cipollini. Oh, L.A. Cipollini. That is... Now, let's compare to last year, where <laughs> Bowles had won. Um, they'd won all of them bar... Um, all of them bar Drenthe Acht. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they might not... They didn't win Van Hageland, but they won... Yeah, they, they'd won Het Noisblad... Uh, Strade, um, Lissamin, uh, and and Drenta. So, so we're we're very much seeing a a much more um, diversely strengthened peloton now. Um, it's also a diverse, also a diverse podiums as well. Yeah, because there are there are some you know Lucinda Brand for example has been on a lot of podiums this 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 so far in this small number of races, but you know lots of Kopecky, for example. Getting onto you know being yep. being on the podium there it's 
it's it's awesome. And you know, Emily Dickinson, it's just it, it, look, it, it, so I, I, exciting. I've enjoyed just seeing, you know, the multiplicity of different winners, different teams winning, and all of those things uh, so far. What I'm really curious to see is what happens with some of the riders that we're still waiting on. And, you know, and I don't want to imply that, you know, we've gone deep into the season and it's been so long and we haven't seen Rider X win anything at all yet. Hmm, should we worry? I just mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of riders who are knocking on doors, who love the classics, love riding the classics, are really good at riding the classics and haven't turned up yet. And Yes, but we do have a lot more classics still to come. Exactly. So and we've just got in the next really fortnight. Big classics coming up very soon. Yeah, so. We go um, Trofeo Alfredo Binder on the Sunday. Then uh, we have Dwar's Door Blunderen, which is um, the, this time it's a UCI race for the first time on the 22nd. Hentweb Elgem on the 26th. And then Ronda Van Vlanderen on the 2nd of April. Yep. So, oh, we've got the Paget Hills Classics in between. You know, it's it's... There's a lot of there's a lot of classics still to come, and um, but I am so happy when a season starts like this with no one dominant rider, no one dominant team. I worry about Mariana Voss. Where's you know? I, it's not that Voss is doing badly. No, but... it's you know she was one of the ones I had in mind when I was you know fumbling around just before. Verbally, I'd rather you know, be like, Voss. Yeah. I mean, you know, Mariana. So Mariana Voss. Um, She's got, uh, you know, she's been up in. She's been, you know, I, I worry about Mariana Voss because she's been in the top. You know, she's been, she's been up. You know, she's been kind of up there. Yeah. Uh, seventh in Ronda Van Drenta, seventeenth in Strade in Strade Bianchi. Okay, you know, that's not that's that's not nothing. Those are her two races she's written. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, yeah. And, and the thing is, it is Voss, you know, like, for all we know, you know, her, her whole her whole season schedule actually hinges on Flanders, and so she's actually or, not even trying to, to win, you know, flat or, out yet or whatever. No, you see, I know what I think she's going for, the Ardennes Classics. She Actually, really wants to course, win Amstel Gold. Of she is. Yeah, no, as soon as you said it, it made perfect sense because they're on the incredibly short list of races she hasn't already won. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Voss does like winning a yeah, race she's never yeah. won before. So, Van Bluerton. Yeah, I mean, you know, even even if it's just to have a, a different kind of trophy in her trophy room. Trophy, trophy room. Yeah. So, over in over in uh, over in Spain, it was the Semana Ciclista Valenciana, which is the first time it's happened, and I love this as well. Like some people complain about races doubling up, I think it's brilliant because we had not only the chance for some, you know, some teams like uh, um, Cervelo Bigler, uh, Wiggle High Five are spending are sending both uh, 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 Ali Cipollini are sending both of their teams over to race, you know, one team on each side. So it means that when you're a large team, you can race, you can race two, um, two, 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 two races at the same time, which is important. But it also means that smaller teams get the chance to race in both, yep. which was, and, and this was a, so Samana Cities, the Valenciana, it's definitely not um, as important as, the Ronda Van Drenta, but it's still a great race and it's great for development. Yep. So four stages long. First was a team time trial, 6.5 kilometers, won by B Pink Kugayas, uh, ahead of Cervelo Bigler and Astana women's team in the third. Uh-huh. The second stage was a 101 kilometer stage, won by Anne-Sophie Doik from Drops, Drops Cycling's first ever um, wow. UCI win. Yeah. With Cecilie with Utrop Ludwig, 
another young Dane in the second mm. who took the GC who took the GC lead. Right. Martin Bastianelli from Alia Cipollini third, bringing up which was a really large group of fourteen uh, of of um of riders and the Cecily Utrop Ludwig is just 21 too so <laughs> hurrah for so, young riders uh, young, stage, young Danish riders in particular apparently yeah, so. stage 3 was um, was controversial it was uh, it was a cli- it was it was it was it was climby um, Ale Cipollini's DS Fabiano Luperini complained to the jury that the road book was wrong and misled them, and they expected it to be ten kilometres shorter than it was. And actually, the right. actual race—sorry, ten, uh, 10 kilometres um, shorter than in the road book because the race was seventy-five k, whereas the road book was eighty-seven k. Right. But they said, "Oh, we told you beforehand." Um, yeah. So it was an un expected um it was kind of a weird uh um yeah it's uh, it's a strange deviation but i mean uh, i mean look <laughs> for for regular listeners to the podcast and for anyone who sticks with us longer in this season we're going to be soon making jokes about unexpected italian mountains and you know yeah but spain spain you know i mean i don't think i mean yes for what, all we don't you're about to tell me you're about to tell me that spain is world renowned for its detailed and precise organization and um and... <gasps> do not go any further than what? than right I, I just don't, asked a question i'm not gonna i made no assertions i made no claims i asked a simple question Okay, so it was won by Arlena Sierra Candidia, <laughs> the Cuban rider from Astana, with Georgia Bronzini second, and Katie Archibald from Team WNC Pro Cycling, WNT, a small British team in the third. Yep. Um, come to the final stage, and WNT had another rider win, Lydia Boylan, um, an Irish rider based in London. Wow. Uh, I'm so happy for Lydia. Uh, also a trackie. Uh, won the won the race uh, in a solo in a long solo breakaway with Kelly Droitz from um, uh, Sport Blunder and Ethics Guildor uh, in second, and Katie Archibald again in the third, Georgia Bordini in fourth. So and that what does that do to the GC? Because so this, what it did to the GC was it meant that Cecilia Utrop Ludwig from Savelo Bigler won the race wow. overall. Yep. Um, Alena Sierra Canyadia was second. Marie Villman, another Danish rider from Cervelo Bigler, was third. And Ashley Mormon Passio for Cervelo Bigler was fourth. Wow. Marie Villman, um, she's born in 1993, so she's 20, she's 20, she's 23. Oh now, God. I just want to mention that's three Danes in, that's three Danes in let's say three in, in podiuming in three races. Yeah. Yeah. You've well, got the I... two Danes in Valenciana and you've got Diederikson in, um, in, in, in uh, Drenthe and Drenthe yeah. Act. So now, look, I don't I... want to draw unfair comparisons and it's possible that this would be unfair. But if, for example, I was looking at say restructuring the cycling program, especially the women's cycling program, of a nation with a beleaguered cycling program, for example, Great Britain, um, I might look at what the Danes have been doing because it seems to well, be working. Do you know what the Danes have been doing? Investing in young they riders? Hired, they hired Catherine Marcel to be the Danish cycling coach. 
Oh, really? And they, ca- didn't, they didn't hire some sort of um, old man in his 60s to bully their, their writers? Catherine Massal was the first ever junior road world champion. Mm-hmm. And, she was, and she's one of like seven or eight maximum to ever have been junior and elite world champion as well. Yep. She rode through the Genie Longo days um, against G- often against Genie Longo, because even though when they were on the same team, because that's how Genie <laughs> Longo rolled. just kind of the um, way it went, yep. Yeah, I, yeah, we'll come to Genie Longo later. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, so Catherine Marcel has a lot of experience, and she's been, um, you know... <sighs> When you're looking at her, uh, she's just... I, I'm going to interview her in the next couple of weeks. We've been trying to get set a date for ages. I've met Catherine at uh, races. She is just really, really fascinating. She gets very angry at the, some of the things the Danish Fed do. For example, the Danish Federation were given a, last, a late entry place for a, a road uh, for a woman to ride in the Olympic road race and didn't send someone. And Marcel was very cross because she's like, well, Cecilia yeah. Ludwig, go. Like, why not? She's great. Yeah, exactly. So this and, is... And so this is if, yeah, so ever, well, if ever you want to write it to get experience at something, it's going to be something like the Olympics or Worlds, you know, like, go. Now, while uh, Utrup Ludwig and Vilman are riding for Sabella Bigler, and I have to give Sabella Bigler tons of props, they are on the podium because of their fantastic TTT, you know, TTT result in the, in, right in stage one. The team is supporting them well to develop it, to develop too. But I don't think it's a coincidence. Now, the Danes always had lots of very good young riders, but in the past they were very bad at actually, at those riders actually being supported to develop into the elites into the you know in, in into the elites so you know it's 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 really nice to see it happening but i think yeah if like you say if i was um if i was uh the the you know another federation i'd look at what the danes are doing which segues nicely because the slow motion crash that british cycling is going through had more you know, you know, like British Cycling's been having a slow mo crash. What yeah, with well, the I mean, Jess Varn, it's had the Jess Varnish case, bullying case, and it's also got the Bradley Wiggins um, doping case with the lines being blurred between British Cycling and Sky, and what did British Cycling know about it, and why were drugs stored on British Cycling's properties? So blah 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 blah. Yeah. And this week, the independent re- report into Jess Varnish's bullying allegations was leaked. It's been a long time being delayed. It's been, turns out, it was um, very much... Uh, Whitewashed would be this, the very, most polite version I could come up with. Well, British, Cycling's, British Cycling had one of their own officers looking into the investigation, and the board actually reversed the findings of their own... Um, of their own, their own officer in order to essentially, I mean, cover-up is a very loaded term, but it's hard to view it as anything other than such when you reverse the decision of your your independently appointed investigator and, and, and you know, basically put out a document saying it was all okay. Like, yeah, so, I mean, this is going to carry on. Like I say, it's a slow motion crash because mm. we've, got the, we've, got the, we've got the stuff that's going to come out through um, the anti-doping things. British Cycling have basically, they've, they've, they've got a new chair, but the new chair has been on the board for years. Um, they've got like the, the I, I really like Emma Pooley's 
was was interviewed about it and she says it's not everyone in british cycling is sexist and a bully and creating a culture of fear there are some really good staff members there who've been scuppered however in typical emma pooley she's so good at these soundbites a fish rots from its head yes um, Exactly. Well, it's exactly true, though, because these things can only happen in a culture and an environment that allows them to happen. And whether it's a, a sporting organization or a business or, um, you know, a political body, the, the leader of any of those organizations is responsible for setting the tone and the culture and, and allowing, you know, what can can be done. And and so it does. It literally rots from the head and, and heads you know, definitely should roll. Now, Jess Varnish has called for the entire board to resign. I don't know how well that'll play out, but I think she's definitely got a case um, to make there when when the board has, you know, quite, quite clearly acted um, against the interests of transparency and truth. Yeah. Now, I just want to stress in all of this that this is framed a lot of media as an issue about Jess Varnish and the board. However, I always want to want to remind people that I did a I did a post last year collecting um, examples that were only from ret- reputable sources, so mainstream press or your top level places like Cycling News, mm. of different women riders who've had issues with British cycling, with how they've treat with how they've treated with how they've treated yeah. elite, elite elite level women. And it's not, and and it's this is just this it's, is just the one that came to this is just the one that's kind of been the straw that broke the camel's the camel's back. Well, exactly, and well, just varnish I mean, also not giving a fuck. Yeah, I um, mean, arguably, it's actually just the most recent one, and therefore the most memorable. Because when you do exactly what you did, I mean, it's really eye opening because it's easy to forget because we talk about you know nicole cook here and then that moves on and then we talk about vicky pendleton and then that moves on and then we talk about emma pooley and then that moves on and then we talk about jess varnish and it's really easy to fucking forget that there's there's year upon year of this history with you know the same culture of of behavior um with a a whole wealth of different writers um, you know, and then as you say, it extends into other elements as well. Where you know, um, the the one of the coaches for the women's program is getting diverted to deliver an unknown package of of medical products to a team sky bus, you know, and shit like that. And and you've just got to. I mean, there's no other way to look at it than there's a lot of cultural stuff mm. that needs to be unpacked and sorted out. But all of that said, I don't want to for a second imply that you know, British cycling is the only fed with problems or the only fed that has a lot of work to do to clean its house. And well, before we, we even saw get to that this UCI. week too. Well, that's, we saw that last week too, because mm. um, in cycling, in USA cycling, they've just fired their team pursuit coach. That, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. That, um, because their, their women's team pursuit team went to, got, was a uh, silver medalist in the Olympics, but they've had um, the team pursuit coach fired for bullying and yep. harassment now there's a cycling news piece of it and it's a bit it's a bit disappointing in one sense because none of the riders spoke and none of the bosses of usa cycling spoke i assume because they're under a because the usa cycling have treated it as a as an employment dis- dispute yep. and i'm assuming there's i'm assuming there's a silence thing going on you know a privacy a privacy yeah, thing yeah, going yeah. on but because he's been sacked the former coach got a big Got a bigger platform to to say he was completely he was he was completely right 
you know yeah. and i disagree with that but equally i can see why they did it you know cycling use of cycling use are very good about this they're not going to have done this like you know they're not going to have made that decision lightly at the end of the day they've asked everyone for quotes the only person they've quote they've got quotes for is the guy and they've you know and they're presenting it in the fact that he's been sacked and yep. you know you read the story rightly being sacked because you know um, for all people bleat about oh political correctness and feminism and blah 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 you know it's not it's not that's not how cycling works no mm. no well and it's not how the world works i mean you know this is the thing if if i mean in most countries that, that we're from um certainly in the country i'm from and and i believe in the country you're from it's mm. just illegal to bully someone in the workplace you're not allowed to do it yeah so it doesn't matter whether it's a cycling uh, job or not you, you just you can't so yeah you know your, your employer doesn't really have a whole lot of options once they've discovered that that you do so yeah yeah anyway yeah. so you know that's that's been an interesting little um diversion down down there as you say like it's a it's weird i saw a video you know how they've had these huge blizzards in the u.s this week because you know it's march and and so you know climate catastrophe unfolds yet again Mm. um i saw a video last night of like a a highway thing where like the blizzard's going on and and this massive you know wound up being like 50 car pile up or whatever slowly unfolds and it's just this this horrified video of, of people just going they, they've got nowhere to go and they can't stop like there's literally nothing they can do they're just sailing into the, the vehicle in front of them that's kind of like british cycling at the moment so yeah um more british cycling news but completely different joanna Roussel's retired um yeah joe Roussel was is a multiple world champion she retired at 28 i wish her all the best for the, her future joe Roussel, if you don't follow her joanna Roussel shand if you don't follow her you absolutely should because she is completely the best advocate i've seen of 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 supporting cycling in all its you know there there aren't many riders many of the british riders who were cheering on their paracycling teammates she just in yeah she just loves the sport she, she loves being involved and 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 she's always, you know, just happy and friendly and and stuff. And yeah, and she's always celebrating. It's not yeah. just her friends, you know. She's she's there celebrating the parasite. You know, I you know because I because I look at para. You mm. know, there aren't paracycling is very much the Cinderella cycling discipline of the UCI, and so you notice who's talking about. Para- well, if you follow paracycling, you notice who's talking about paracycling. And Joe Rousel Shand always talk. You know, is talking paracycling. Yeah, you yeah. know. She's she's talking about smaller races where where Brits are doing well in. She's 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 celebrating it, and and I hope she. I, I suspect she's going to have a media career because she's incredible, per, incredibly personable. Um, she's very famous because when she first started, she, she has alopecia, um, and she has a wig. Yep. And when she first started. And she felt she was very. She can't. You could tell she was. I you know watched her cycle from, you know from when she was much younger and. She started going out onto podiums without her wig on. Yeah. And that was such a brave choice, such a brave move at the beginning, because, you know, there's still a lot of pressure within cycling, especially track cycling, for women to be 
feminine yeah. you know you see a lot of this stuff about like interviews will talk to writers about their hair and their nails and yeah, Vicky yeah. Pendleton was oh, oh teehee I love to bake cupcakes I'm really girly brackets not like that butch Anna Mears girl you know <laughs> like there was a lot of which which is literally even though you know Anna Mears Anna Mears is heterosexual too it's like it's not like it, it's but it was still like this 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 portraying of Vicky Pendleton as the feminine princess versus Anna Mears as this big burly Aussie you know bogan type coming to get her and it's like it's not so for Rousel to stand there without her wig on showing her her alopecia you know her her bald head or with just tufts of hair she's done so much for other kids with alopecia and you see it all the time where people are like yeah you've i i'm t- i'm shy and i hide away and i i i yeah. try not to be noticed because i don't want people to notice i'm wearing a wig but there's Jo Rousel, and and because she's such an incredible rider, her podiums have been the Olympic, her Olympic golds. Yep, yep. Her World Championship golds, and, and that's I think the other side of it. You know, being 28 years old and retiring, I mean, she's achieved so much. Like it, it does. I understand it, and and I respect it. You know, going out on top and having done what she wants to do and being ready for the next chapter of her life. I mean, there's really not much to do except say thanks and good luck with whatever you're doing next. Like, yeah. look forward to it. Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see what happens in the women's uh, team time trial, though, because with Rousel gone, obviously Katie Archibald is focusing on the road this year. Thank, I love, I'm really excited about that because, I, you know, I want to see what she can do when she, you know, when she can learn more road skills see what you know see if she can see, see, see where she can go uh laura trot is going to be out on maternity leave yep danny king is focusing on the road because she was dropped from the program so you've got kira horn um you've got eleanor barker and they're not nothing they're still fantastic but especially when you know about the british cycling the machine that produced these amazing team pursuit squads and team pursuit is very 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 controllable you know you don't have yeah. to worry about variables like weather like tactics it's a very controllable sport but it came at a huge price and that huge price was paid by other Team Pursuit riders, Wendy Hoovernagel, for example. What's going to happen? Because the, it's not just about can British Cycling manage to get more another Team Pursuit glory, but can they do it in an ethical way that doesn't damage other riders? And it's it's look, it's going to be an interesting part of the journey for for British Cycling and to to see how this evolves. I mean. I, I don't know. I don't even really dare to to take a guess at it. To be honest, I'm just yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping that they you know whoever whoever does take responsibility for continued development of the program really learns from these quite clear and pretty egregious mistakes that have been. Well, made. they've got they've now got that situation where they've now appointed a female um, chief executive. Mm. And I think they and and what what's going to be fascinating is whether they just point to that female chief exec and say, "Oh, look, we got a woman at the top. Thus, we're not sexist." Oh, like if nothing else yeah. changes, because because a lot of organisations do that. I was going to say that gives me a great segue into the next thing I was going to mention, which is the the two articles that we saw um, come out for International Women's Day about. Um, be bold for change, which was the the theme for International Women's Day this year. Um, and in particular, I was thinking of Monique Hanley's article for for Cycling Tips. Well, Ella. let's start on the other one. Let's start okay. on the other one. The first one is by Kath Bicknell on SBS Cycling. Yep. Um, she, she's got seven changes that she thinks need to happen now. And she's got um, lift the number of images of female riders across all cycling media and advertising material. And she makes the point that... Um, 
she but looking at the Getty looking at the Getty um, images database yep. there's it's very hard to find it. She says she's looking for Peter Modlin's eight-time national champion, Peter Modlin's. There are seven images in total. There are 3,000 of Richie Port, which I'd expect Richie Port has had a much better career than Peter Modlin's. But yeah, there's but it is seven a, it is of a good him point. from a press conference at the Tour Down Under. Exactly. There's so seven it's... of him from the press conference. And Peter Mullins has literally been a national mountain bike champion in Australia eight times. So she yeah. doesn't even have one photo per national jersey she's won. Yeah. You know. So she talks about bike fit. She talks about how to market um, market stuff. She's talking about pay. Um, she's talking about about the needs of women at lower levels. All of these are good. Mm. The only one I really disagree with is her last one, which is stop talk, which I think is a bit naive. She says stop talking about cycling and women's cycling as two distinct things. Now I've written about that in the past because sometimes people say oh sarah you're doing the sport a disservice by saying women's cycling but i'm not i think it's important to say women's cycling and men's cycling when you talk about skiing for example it's it's as as um i think it was joseph heaven mentioned to me on twitter that skiing presents everything as the men's slalom the women's slalom yep. you know um when you talk about the 1500 meter race you talk about the men's 1500 meter race and the women's 1500 exactly. meter race athletics you know? swimming you know, whatever. Triathlon. Yeah, you have the, you you have the 50 meter freestyle sprint. You have the, you know, the the 100 meter men's medley, the women's medley. Like, like, it, this is not at all uncommon, and it's not something that that the world is incapable of dealing with. And and I would argue one step further that that to suggest that um, calling it women's cycling and that we shouldn't actually instead be advocating for men's cycling to be called explicitly men's cycling is is tacitly implying that we we think women's cycling is somehow a lesser name and it's not it's not at all no the other thing is the other, so so there's three things i think about it one i want to say women's cycling and men's cycling the thing i object to is cycling as a whole being described as as men, as, no, as no, just men yeah so yeah. you know um Here's our essential guide to everything you need to know about the Road World Championships. Here's our essential guide to the cycling classics, you know, yeah. and that only having men. Here's the top sprinters in the world you need to know. Here's the best up-and-coming riders, blah, 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 that you see every day. And I want to see those described as men's cycling. But I also think that absolutely, if you're looking for if you're looking for the Giro, for example, the, the, the Giro, you're going to get, because of the way that the media is structured at the moment, you're going to get probably 10 15 articles on the men's year and partly because it's longer it's so much yeah. longer than the women's year so saying women's cycling zero helps people find it you know we live in a search engine defined world yep and for me saying women's you know saying women's ronde van vlaanderen is helps people find the information they're looking for oh, absolutely. i don't see it's, with it's, that. it's so. a key thing that i put in all the time particularly if you know that there are two races with the same name or similar names you know when when men and women both race as you point out flanders or whatever then i'm always putting in women's you know and and the other thing i quite often put in is the year when i'm doing a search for info yes. because you know i i like right now if i'm searching flanders i'm going to get a lot of articles from 2016 so i specify 2017 i want information about this year's edition um yeah. it, it's a normal thing and as you say we are search driven and increasingly so this is this is part of how as a global society we're categorizing and collating information so yeah. i really I mean, don't have a problem with it but anyway I mean, I want when, to get, when there's I want one to get thing, to stage. 
when there's one Sorry. thing in an article that you disagree with and it's not that big a disagreement, I think it's a pretty bloody good article. So. Well, let's talk about the different approach Monique Hanley took. Um, we are big fans of Monique Hanley yep. here on the podcast. She's she's yep. she's 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 a she's worked tirelessly for Australian women's cycling, and is just a really great force for good. But yeah. in her, she's also very very she's very very intelligent. I was and, I, I was going to say yeah. It's also worth pointing out that while these two articles, it's kind of interesting that two articles and kind of cool that two articles came out on like not just on the same day but sort of roughly within you know 45 minutes an hour of each other like you know reasonably enough that that um, Monique actually rewrote her intro to link to Kat's article because it had just gone live um and that they both came from slightly different approaches so you know this isn't a point of comparing who wrote it better it's actually no it's two really interesting takes on the same idea from two different perspectives and what I love about Monique is she presents it from a very business point of view. And I've, I, was a, I was a civil servant for many years, so I'm, mm. I'm really – and I work for charities. And in charities and civil service, you're very much into your smart objectives and your key performance indicators because you're like, what do we want to achieve and how are we going to measure yeah. to see whether we're achieving it or not? And it's just it's exactly. just a fact of life. I and don't know about the public sector, but the private sector. But, you know, it, that's just well, like the world I've lived in. Tangible in outcomes uh, are really important to any organisation. And as you say, you know, Monique's got great experience working with businesses. Um, she's also served on the board for Cycling Victoria for I think it's six years. Um, and Cycling and, Australia, and and you know has just been and and has also you know done her time as a pro rider and stuff as well. Like like she knows the sport really really well from many perspectives and and does bring a really interesting. Um, viewpoint to it and I like the line that she took because she did really focus on not just things that would you know improve um, equality and equity and I love that she makes a distinction between those two things as well um, but but also then breaks it down to okay so here's the overall objective here's the reason why and here's a suggested KPI of something that could be done as an intermediate step to get closer to that overall objective you know, and I think it's just a great way that she's written it up. So she firstly identifies diversifying leadership, and that was to go all the way back. That was my segue. So, <laughs> so yeah, nice quick segue there, um, yeah. because but she points thing- out that the UCI, um, you know, have seventeen members, and Tracy Gordry is the only woman. Yes, yeah. representation of literally six percent. She makes the point that, you know, and her KPI for the UCI is that at their next election, they just add two women and thereby increase the women on their, their um, you know, committee, management committee by 200%. <laughs> See, the reason I, the reason I love, I love this approach is some people like grown at smart objectives and KPIs and things, but they're, they make it very, 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 very achievable. Yeah. So you're literally sitting there going, this is, these are, these are, these are, these are really, really simple steps. Like, and it breaks them down into something. And she's not saying the UCI should have, uh, because these are KPIs for 2017. You know, these aren't, these are, she's not saying the UCI should go from what, you know, from, from 6% to 50%. She's just saying add two more. Yeah. And I recommend every election, increase it by one more and we'll get there. You know, like it's, it's very reasonable. Um, I just want to mention one of the reasons why last week why this is important. Last week we talked about the Hammer series, yes. Vlon's great idea, women free idea, <laughs> and Hannah Dobson, who's an awesome writer on single tra- writer on Single Track magazine, wrote on International Women's Day about how she's banging her head against the wall because the UCI are bringing in short track 
as a exhibition event with a view to bringing it into the world champ into the world cup right so it's going to be short short track racing it does what it says on the tin it's racing over a short track um they're doing it for men only mountain biking is much more equitable than 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 uh, in general than road like much but this is just it's unnecessary it's unnecessary short track is raced by women in events like the Seattle classic in in events like um the oh what's the big the big massive one that's like the huge uh uh adventure sports brands that's uh you know blah 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 it's it's raced all over the world by women already there is literally no need no reason to say we want to see if this will work so we're bringing this into an exhibition event but only for men yeah and and look to go back to your your comment or quote about bc it's exactly the same thing the fish rots from the head like you know this only happens because the controlling organizations and institutions are run by people who allow this sort of thing to happen it's 2017 like if you're planning a conference and you're not going how do i ensure that at least 50 percent of my speakers are from diverse backgrounds and represent all of you know our our community etc you're failing at your job if you are the head of a sporting organization and you're rolling out a new event and you're doing it for men only you're doing your job wrong yeah this is I went to Adventure Syndicate I spoke at the Adventure Syndicates talk uh, yep. two weekends ago um, and I was on a panel and every single panel had a woman who is a member of a black or minority ethnic community on it so I think one of them didn't but that was a panel that was owned, that was a very specific panel about a specific thing and it's and they all had they're all amazing women with amazing stories to tell there was in no way were they token yeah but no, not at all. when they were looking but when the adventure syndicate and the broken spoke co-op were, were specifically looking for people to speak they wanted to make sure that they were representative yeah and because and because everyone has like i would listen to jules walker talk for days yeah and, absolutely and she's amazing and and there's so much and there's and there's so much that you can add. There's so much interest. They've got so much interest in the diverse. The reason that you want multiple diverse points of view is the more homogenous your board is or your group that's making decisions, the more homogenous, the more limited their decision making is going to be. Because if you all come from the same backgrounds, yeah, then, that then limit, you, you're going to you have don't the same see, experiences. Exactly. You don't see new opportunities. You don't see risks yeah. and challenges. And and quite literally, and, and this isn't just you know theory. This is proven over and over again. Even business, at the business, business level. Business research. Businesses that have diverse boards perform on average 13% better than businesses that don't. Like that's a huge margin. You know, and apply that to sporting. You know, when when they're talking about half a gram here in pedal weight because marginal gains is how you win and lose, diversity is probably worth looking at, especially if one of your stated goals is to, quote, unquote, grow your sport. Then maybe you yeah. want to include more people in it just to fucking idea. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, this is, but look, but this is what cyclo, you know, cyclocross, when sports have started showing women's cyclocross, mm. the audience came in absolute droves because you give people the chance to watch our sport and they love it but you know equally if we want um you know there there are huge there's an issue with british cycling only managing to target um and not just british cycling a lot of different european cycling federations in diverse in countries with diverse communities manage to only target white kids yeah and there's this terrible terrible excuse that's given oh but sarah it's because cycling is expensive and all black kids are poor is people don't say it in that way but that's that's what they mean and it's like a that's bullshit you know yep. of course not all black of not of course um and and b, uh, 
And B, that's not a valid reason to exclude them. No, exactly, exactly. I mean, are we really saying that British Cycling, which gets an absolute fuck ton of national lottery money, which is paid for by the whole country, yeah. should only be targeting rich kids? Yeah, give less you to know, Brian Cookson and, and more, the... to, more to disadvantaged kids. Yeah. Like, fucking problem anyway, solved. Yeah. Um, we're running over time. Never happened to us mountain ever in the bike, history of the podcast. And mention, mention mountain biking, um, specialised are currently looking for ambassadors, women, to get more women into mountain biking. Uh, you become part of the International Specialised Mountain Bike Program, uh, ambassador program. You get like a bike, you get kits. You have to do things like lead a couple of rides, you know, and they and a couple of times a year. And they tell you how to do it, and they give you tons of support, and they give you tons of media. You know, it's it's um, it's one of the ones. A lot of companies do ambassador programs like this, but I really really like what Specialised do about you know putting their. I mean, again because we want to grow our sport. Here's a market that's untapped. If we got more people, we could shift more products. Hurrah. Um, and the final thing I just want to mention was, um, Patrice Prelli's, uh, <laughs> final, 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 um, back in 2011. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Patrice Ciprelli was convicted of smuggling and importing prohibited merchandise, specifically 33 bottles of boxes of EPO bought between 2008 to 2011. Now, why is Patrice Ciprelli important? He is the husband and coach of French cyclist Jeannie Longo, who won um, 59 national titles, set the hour record, won Olympic gold, um, was winning right into her 50s. He's also the uh, coach of Edwige Patel, who is another rider who's in her 40s or maybe her 50s now and still racing. Um, yeah, uh, when Patrice Ciprelli was caught, his excuse was, I needed the EPO myself because I couldn't keep up with Jeannie in the bed. I... There's just... Look, there's so many things that could be said in response to that whole story, and in particular his defence, and not enough eyebrows to raise in the world. So I'm just leaving it alone, to be honest. I'm, although that said, I also, um, you know, want to suggest that we finish on a couple of other. Oh no, 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 no! I just want to say, no, sorry, I just want to say what's happened because this case has been dragging, 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 dragging on. It's now come to a conclusion. He's been. given a suspended sentence of uh um uh of, of one and a half year of of one year suspended sentence he has to pay a five thousand eight hundred euro fine five thousand to the french cycling federation and two thousand euros in court costs which Jeez, seems, like, seems like well yeah exactly i mean yeah 33 boxes of epo um Congratulations, Patrice Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yes. I, I feel like with that defense, he should have been done what, you know, what my, my granddad made my dad do when he caught him having a smoke outside the house one day. Have them all. Go on. <laughs> Go on, Patrice. 33 doses of EPO. Go on, have them all. <laughs> so... Oh my god! There anyway. is a lot more this week. Go there to is. our site, prowomenscycling.com. Um, oh, I, we didn't even talk about how much we love the Cycling News Women's Portal, so we'll have to talk yeah, about we'll that next week. Have to save that but for if a you like, time, but it is great. If you like Cycling News, I like I like Cycling News. I really like their work. I like the fact that their women's they they just as they had a portal for track, mountain bike, cyclocross, uh, um, road. They've also got a portal for women's for women's cycling. So now their stuff 
like Ella, goes on the main page, but you can also go in through the cycling news, the, the women's port, the women's cycling portal, which, as their search engine is notoriously terrible, makes life really easily easy. But it also really highlights how good their cycling coverage, you know, how good their yeah, women's yeah. coverage is these days. So yeah, exactly, it's not, so it's not full credit. It's to not them. every, not, yeah. it's not every race, but. It's yeah. bloody good. It is. I also wanted to give a super quick shout out to my two favorite non-race videos of the week, one of which came from Lucy Garner, where um, she's got some video of the first time her little sister's riding a bike. And what makes it so good is her sister's carefully riding her bike in the background, and Lucy's just on her bike, but you know, pushing herself with her feet on the ground backwards and forwards to mug for the camera which is utterly, <laughs> hilariously adorable. Um, and the second one is one that I saw this morning um, from Wiggle High Five. They've just had a team training camp, and they've got a video where, um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Ben Atkins, um, is basically in the hotel pool um, carrying the entire team one by one on his shoulders over to this island in the middle of the pool so that they can all be standing on the, the island for a team photo. Um, and it's just utterly ridiculous, but kind of hilarious. So, oh, if you like the wiggle, the wiggle high five videos, um, go to uh, go to get, check out Corin Corin uh, Corin uh, Yep, who's got who, who's making the videos this year. She's got her um, uh, 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 video company Tanline, and there's and and she's just you know she's she's a good friend of ours and we love her we love her work but she's blogging about her experiences making the videos so if you know anyone who's interested in getting into this because you know she's the first person to say this is this is the first time she's done something like this then follow her because she's she's just really awesome and lovely and we re- we really recommend her yeah exactly um thank you very much for tuning in as always it's been great to hang out with you and uh, and catch up on all the news in women's cycling um you should go to patreon.com slash women's cycling and take full advantage of the opportunity to uh contribute to sarah's patreon there and uh help keep her in um tea and biscuits perhaps even crumpets coming into summer or hot cross buns coming into easter you don't, I don't have know. yeah yeah you don't have crumpets in summer crumpets don't are sitting down the fire with the winter i don't know how british people do food it's it's mystifying to the rest of the world um curry Keep me in curry. Keep me in curry ingredients because I do like making oh, a good right. curry. Suddenly I understand how British people do food. They appropriate it from other countries. Well, um, how do we do everything else? <laughs> if you'd like to talk to us on Twitter, you can get Sarah at PWCycling uh, and you can speak to me at... <clears throat> Dan W. Official. Uh, and if you want to know what he was talking about up the top of the, up the, oh. top of the part of his, about his about the um, Australian scandal and get him to read it out to you no. because he is hilarious, then hit him up and ask him. He takes bribes. Well, yeah, but it's going to take... Like, Let me put it this way. Sarah tried to ask me to read it to her a second time and I suggested that the opening bid was a very rare bottle of $700 whiskey. So just be prepared to bring your best bribes if you're going to ask me to do it is all i'm saying yeah i i feel like blackmail is going to be my way forward but anyway. <laughs> shit uh, thank you for listening um oh god trofeo binder is on on sunday and there's a guide to how we can maybe watch some of it live live-ish we're not quite sure it's a bit confusing but we can definitely definitely follow us on twitter and there'll definitely be good highlights on um on rice sports so go to our site and see that because we love this race it's amazing um ah! and we'll be back to talk to you about it next week Bye bye